Hey, um, <clears throat> Pastor Sam's been talking about uh, this whole thing of success. And, and tonight, I want to do something kind of a bit different, probably. Often we kind of give this message, and then you kind of consider it, and then at the end, response. But tonight, I just, I want to kind of pull together this. I want to, I want to kind of flip it on its head. I want us to do a ministry time where God shifts some things in our lives. And so I want to share some thoughts that all lead into it. But, but I, I, want this to be, I want this to be a dream factory tonight where God, God restores your ability to dream. God restores your ability to believe that you have a future and a purpose and a hope and a destiny. Okay, so I want you to get ready for the assumption at the end of this time, God is going to do something in your life to transform you and you're going to go out different. Is that Okay. Awesome. Um, so I've just come back from uh, um, being in um, uh, Denmark and London, um, some other places, and, and it's just amazing what God is doing all around Europe, like things just breaking open in Germany, in Denmark, in Italy. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And yeah, oh yeah, we've got the guy here from Berlin, Equippers, that's what we do. And you know, it's like, seriously, this is crazy insane. Like, this is just insane. But, um, but I had a couple of experiences while I was away that, that really kind of impacted me. So um, I've got some friends who are, are missionaries in Mexico. They've been there 21 years. They've been doing kind of children's ministry for most of that time in the community. About five years ago, they planted a church in Mexico City. So they knew that I was going to London, and you can fly through LA, and so they said, oh, would you come and speak at our fifth anniversary of our church plant? So uh, I got to go there on the way, and this is a group of people from Mexico. Like, we have to get an Equippers church in Mexico, man. Latino worship is amazing. Like, it is next level awesome, eh? And Brazil, and, and with some Spanish, and Portuguese, but man, Equippers has to hit South America. Like, that is going to be awesome. But, um, but, but the interest, I don't know if you, in the top in the middle at the back, the, the, the lady there, she's in her 40s now, but I knew her when she, was, uh, when she was at high school in Taranaki. I started as a youth worker, and I remember her when she was like 14 or 15. And I don't know why I remember this, but I remember at a camp, a youth group camp at this hut or lodge on Mount Taranaki, uh, and, and we're going around the circle of youth going, you know, what do you feel like God's calling to you when you grow up? And I, uh, for some reason, I remember her because I was just stunned, I think. This 14, 15-year-old girl goes, I believe I'm called to be a missionary in Mexico. And, and I was like, she grew up on this dairy farm in rural Taranaki where you catch a bus to the local town called Okato, population 600, to go to school. So how, I don't know, how do you grow up on a dairy farm where your nearest town is 600 and you dream that one day you're going to go to the biggest city in the world and you're going to minister there and God's going to use you there and you're going to see God do phenomenal things there? And, and so it was just, it was, and you know, and so, I, I mean, I just remember kind of as a youth leader being stunned that this girl was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing with my life. I'm going to be a missionary in Mexico. You know, when she left school, um, when she was 17, I took a short-term team to Manila, Philippines. She came on that. Uh, she got, this guy kind of was interested in her. She's like, well, unless you're called to Mexico, mate, this is going nowhere. <coughs> And he's like, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And now he's been there 21 years because they did get married. I don't know if he ever was called there, but he liked her. 
and he knew the deal was if he wanted a relationship, he had to be called to Mexico. So he's either faked it for 21 years or he was called. But, um, but, but it was so moving to be there. And, and I was talking to her when I was there a few weeks ago and I said, when did you know? Like, how did you know? And she said, well, it's interesting. Actually, when I was eight, we used to, she used to go to this little church in the rural there, part of Taranaki, and they would give out little books at the end of each year to the kids in the ch- children's church. And the book that was given to her was about this missionary, Hudson Taylor. And as an eight-year-old, she said, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a missionary. And then, and then as a teenager, there was a big earthquake in Mexico, and her heart went out, and she said, like, that's the place I want to go. And, and so for me, I was like, I just have, you know, I, I, I just have such, uh, I hold in such, I don't know how to say it, such awe and such care the dreams of children and teenagers. Because as an eight-year-old, she's like, I'm going to be a missionary. As a 14-year-old, and it's going to be in Mexico. And there she is now in her mid-40s, been there 21 years, you know, talk to them, no plans of coming back, we're staying there for life, our kids are there. Um, I don't know, some down below her is her daughter who came to this church for a couple of years while she was studying here a few years ago. Um, but, but it's like, I was just like, man, the dreams that, y- that children and young people carry. And, you know, and, and, then, and then last weekend, <coughs> this was kind of the beginning and the end of the trip. Last weekend, I was at this church camp in the north of, right in the very north of Denmark, and um, I'll just skip over these ones. Uh, oh, so yeah, that's this couple in Mexico. But I was at this church camp in, Ju- in the north of Denmark, and this, this is a young couple. She's only 21. They're just married, but they're German, uh, and, and they are involved in this church in Denmark. I met them last year at the Bible College in Denmark that we're part of. And again, I said to her, um, how did you end up in Denmark? And she says, I don't know. Ever since I was a little kid, I had this dream that I was going to come and in Denmark and she said in fact mum's got this photo of me as an eight or nine year old dressed up with the Danish flag Denmark and I said oh can you send it to me and that, that's the photo of her and so now she's 21 newly again the guy like you're interested I'm going to Denmark yeah 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 I'm going to Denmark too yeah, da, da. but it's like an eight-year-old an eight-year-old who knows I'm gonna go to Denmark for Jesus and 21, you know, so, so this was the kind of bookends of my trip. Two women who, who both, as eight-year-olds, got a dream. And as teenagers kind of took it to another level. And, and now to see them living it out. And I was just so inspired. You know, and, and it just the sense, like, the future lies in the hands of the dreamers. You know, and as a church, the greatest thing that we can do is nurture an environment where children and young people pick up a dream and run with a dream. And, and, and tonight, I want to, you know, I want to kind of, I, I just believe we're going to, this is going to be a place that God incubates some dreams. And the things that have robbed your dreams and held you back from dreams, God's going to set you free tonight because he wants you to dream like that. Um, you know, it's kind of not surprising. Acts 2, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. It's like, this is normal that our children and our teenagers would be dreaming dreams. So I believe I can do this for Jesus. 
And, and I've just learned never to kind of look down, never, oh, who do you think you are? It's like, no, this is God. This is what God, God births dreams. Already now I can feel it in the spirit. You pick this up, he's going to incubate. This is normal Christianity that God incubates dreams from a very young age and, and, and people steward them and, and, and life is just about seeing those come about. And you know, one of the things I think why God does it is because where there is no vision or revelation, people cast off restraint. One of the reasons I think God wants to speak with people when they're young is it kind of then defines their life and they don't get distracted. You know, both of those both of those women, these guys were interested in them. It's like, mate, if you're not going to Mexico, if you're not going to Denmark, this relationship's going nowhere. I'm following Jesus and I'm going here. You're on board with that? We can explore this relationship. If not, see you later. And, and I, think God, I think that's one of the reasons God wants to birth dreams because it will bring a, a focus and a, and a restraint and a direction to your life that will stop you just kind of wandering off and getting caught up in other things. But, but here's the issue. Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The devil knows that if he can steal your dream when you're little, he's got you. In fact, the devil knows that he has to steal it when you're little. Because he can't stop it when it's full grown and momentum. Pastor Sam often says, you know, that the, the devil goes after the seed because that's easier to get than the harvest. And so, you know, I just feel the devil is out to hurt you when you're little, to rob you of your hope and rob you of your confidence. And tonight I want to take back some territory from the devil. And I want to see you restored to carry dreams and carry hope and carry confidence. You know, I, was, I don't know if you've heard the story about elephants, with, they tie this rope around them. There's a story This as a man was passing the elephants, he suddenly stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains, no cages. It was obvious the elephants could at any time break away from their bonds, but for some reason they did not. He saw a trainer nearby and asked why these animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, trainer stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, trainer said, when they are very young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them, and at that age, it's enough to hold them. As they grow up, they're conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they never try to break free. The man was amazed these animals could at any time break free from their bonds, but because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. The devil knows that he has to get you when you're little and tie something around you that you believe you can never be great and you can never be free. And tonight God wants to change that because it's a lie. But he knows that if he waits, you can't hold back a full-grown elephant. So he has to persuade you when you're little. And, and I was doing some reading about this this afternoon, and, and it actually gets a bit more tragic than this, because I was reading about how they train elephants. They start with this, but then, but then they hit them with sticks with nails on to break their spirits and hurt them. And, and here's the thing. The devil knows he's got to hurt you when you're little because it breaks your spirit and it robs you of your confidence that you're born for something greater. And I'm so upset about that. <laughs> and I just, God's spirit is so upset. And tonight is the night 
when it's time to get free from the things where the devil's hurt you when you were little, that has stopped you of your dream and stopped you of your confidence and stopped you knowing that like those two women, you carry a dream and you can do something great for God. But he, he persuades you that you're tied up when you're little and he hurts you to break your will when you're little. And we're going to deal with that tonight. Maybe you go, I never really had a dream like those two women you talked about. God doesn't always speak like that. The other thing he often does is this sense that he's, he's wired into us the sweet spot of how we work. Talk about this, you know, this, this intersection of our passion and our competency, what we do well and what we're passionate about. And even if you don't have a clear sense of where I'm going, I can guarantee that as a young person, you will have encountered moments when somehow you feel alive in a way that's hard to put words to. You touch your sweet spot of what you were born to do. I was listening to the podcast, Pastor Sam's message last week. He said, you know, he, he just kind of, he found when he was in the zone of leading, it just worked. We, all of you, are, God has wired into you how you, how, what he's got for you. It's not like, oh God, show me. It's like when you look back, you, there have been moments when you've touched your sweet spot and go, this is what I was born to do. I remember like as a six or seven year old at school, giving my first little talk and I remember the moment in a positive way when, I, when the people laughed, you know, not laughing at me, I, but I made a joke and they laughed. And this feeling inside of what it meant to engage with a crowd and respond to them, and in a way that took me years to understand to go, that's what I'm born for. And I don't, you will have had moments like that when, when it's like, I don't understand it, but my whole being feels alive with something that this is what I was born to do. Maybe it's organizing stuff. Maybe it's caring for people. Maybe it's communicating. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's entertaining. Maybe it's teaching. But you will have had moments when you touch the sweet spot that you were born for. And um, some people talk about this, discovering your calling. It's about where is your passion, what is your gifting, and how is your personal style? Again, for me, like I just, early on, I got this passion. I want to be involved in world mission. So Christine and I kind of packed up and went on and worked in the slum in Manila, and it's like, oh, I'm not actually very good at this. And then we're like, okay, there's this conflict down in the south between Muslim rebels and the government. Let's go down there. Oh, I'm not very good at that either. <laughs> and to understand... Yeah, the passion is, is mission, but the what that I bring to it is around the teaching and training. And, and to kind of, oh, this is my sweet spot. And then, but then we tried some other stuff, and it didn't go that well. And I discovered, oh, my personal style is actually, I'm not the one to really lead a whole movement. And so suddenly this last four years to be in the environment that Pastor Sam and Kathy create, to go, oh, that's involved in a global movement, and I get to train. It's like, this is what I was born for. And it's like, God wants you to, to discover that coming together of your sweet spot. Maybe you don't have a clear dream, like I'm going to be a missionary to Mexico, or I'm going to be a missionary to Denmark. But it's like, i kind of getting this sense, this is how I'm wired. Some people put it like this. This guy, vocation is where is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. This is how I'm wired. This is what I love doing. And here's the intersection point with a need in my world. And I get to, I get to be alive doing this thing. And, and God wants you to discover that. Someone else put it like this. 
You know, it's the end of the sweet spot. Uh, you love it, you're great at it, the world needs it, and hopefully you get paid for it. And, uh, and that's your sweet spot. And it's like, this is the journey. Maybe you don't have a clear picture, oh, I'm going to do this. But you're on a journey to discover your sweet spot. And again, the tragedy is the devil wants to hurt this too. You know, it's fascinating when you read, um, you study this in the Bible, you see these guys that, in the Old Testament particularly, they're so clear what they're wired to do. In the book of Genesis, Joseph, you know, he gets dreams from God and he runs things well. That's what, he's a dreamer manager. But, you know, his brothers say to him, oh, here comes the dreamer. See, people say things that hurt that, that, and the devil's using words to try and hurt you discovering your sweet spot. Yeah, he is a dreamer, and his dreams are going to change the world. But his brothers mocked him for it. See, the devil's trying to hurt you through people's words or behaviors that has tried to damage your sweet spot when you're little, so you don't step into it when you're big. You know, again, Exodus about Moses. He steps in to try and help, and these guys say, who made you ruler and judge over us? Well, God did. And in a few years, he's going to lead a whole nation out of slavery as a ruler, and he's going to go onto a mountain and have an encounter with God and bring down the law of God. He is a ruler and a judge, precisely. But people will attack and mock the very thing that you're called to be. Man, there's an anointing on that. The thing that you've been mocked about is probably the thing that you're born to do. Because the devil wants to attack. He doesn't care about the other things. He wants to attack the thing that you're wired to do. He doesn't want you to discover it. And he wants to do that when you're little. That's his principle, hurt you when you're little. God's principle is speak to you when you're little. You know, even um, David, are, we, are these all the sons you have? Yeah, oh, he's still the youngest, but he just looks after sheep. Well, he was a shepherd warrior. Psalm says he chose David and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people. He was born to be a warrior shepherd. People, oh, he's just ridiculous. He just looks after the sheep. Who knew that that carried the seeds of his destiny, that one day he would shepherd the people of Israel? You see the pattern? You were born wired for something, but the words of people, the actions of people, the devil uses to try and hurt that so you don't discover it. Um, it was interesting, just uh, when I was driving in here today, actually, tonight I was thinking like, one of the things that was, I had a lot of stuff in my own family, but one of the things that happened is, <coughs> not family, was this teacher, I remember this teacher when I was eight, and, and for some, I don't know, maybe he had a bad day or something, but he, one day in front of the class, he just, abs just mocked me and all the class was laughing, and I remember him going, you're the kind of person who goes home and there's a big cake, and you just put your hand in the middle and grab a whole thing and stuff it in your face. Yeah, I know, wow, like that guy either needs a bullet or some help. Like, but I'm getting over it. It's only been 50 years. But, <clears throat> but when I was driving in here, I was, I was thinking about this idea that the devil tries to attack the very thing that you are. And about 10 years ago, I was in a meeting and Pastor Helen said to me, oh, she just said to me, oh, you know what? I actually think, talking about me, your motivational gift is giving. I was like, yeah, it is. I just love to give what I have. And I thought, 
wow, that guy's words imply that I was all about taking. That was a, the truth is my whole life God's wired me to give. If I try and get it, it's just a gift. But the devil used some words to try and get a lie into my heart that you're someone who's selfish and takes when actually God's wired me to give. See, what's the, how's the devil hurt you through words and actions? that's robbed you of your dreams, that's mocked who he's made you to be, that stopped you moving forward into who he's called you to be. Um, this, mor- I'm, this morning, those who are here, I talked about this book that the Bethel people have just released called Shifting Atmospheres. So some people talk about strongholds or spirits. They use the word atmosphere. That's quite nice. It's like we're called to shift the atmosphere of places, cities, nations, communities, workplaces. But their point is, You can't shift an atmosphere while you carry an atmosphere in yourself that's not of God. And so the whole journey is, come on, God wants to readjust the atmosphere in our heart so so we don't buy into these negative atmospheres and we can walk in and challenge them. So repeating it, our ability to discern atmospheres, spirits, and mindsets comes after we first establish our normal. By normal, I mean how we think and feel on a regular basis. Our normals are made up of the internal truths that govern our lives. These can be truths like God is good and he loves me all the time or lies like nobody wants me or I am unloved. See, here's the deal. The devil knows if he can get a lie into you when you're little, you're gonna be trapped in an atmosphere where you'll never change the world and you'll never become the person you're called to be. And tonight, God wants to set you free from some of those so that you can become a world changer, a history maker, a dream maker. Come on, this is a place to incubate dreams, but you need to get free from the lies in here and in here that he's put in. He knew if he could get it into you when you were little, you'd never become the person he's... God's called you to be. You know, Christians who have a healthy normal easily discern the enemy's atmosphere's lies because the voices feel foreign. When suddenly these thoughts, like you're a failure, you're a loser, you suddenly realize that's not true. That, that's in this environment. I'm not picking that up. But you have to address the thing. If you walk into an environment and your atmosphere as guys is checking out all the girls and, and visually undressing them in your mind, that's your atmosphere. God wants to change that atmosphere. So you walk into a place in purity and then you recognize, no, there's an atmosphere here that's wrong about sexuality because I carry a different atmosphere now. You've got to change the atmosphere in your heart. And, and, and these are, yeah, that's his point. Establishing your normal helps to decipher which thoughts are not your own. And they don't really use this image, but the, our problem is it becomes like a familiar overcoat. Even if it feels bad, it's like, it's just familiar that I feel sad. It's familiar that I feel rejected. It's familiar that I feel sexualized. It's familiar that I flirt and familiar that I, it's just, it's the familiar coat. And like, come on, it's time to let that slip off. It's time to pick up God's atmosphere that sets you free to start dreaming. So I want to go through some of these things that I went through this morning, and I just want to challenge you, like, where has the enemy put something in your heart that's like that rope around the elephant, that's like the hurt, that's crushed your spirit, that's like a familiar coat that's no longer helpful? Because in a few minutes, we're going to see you set free from those so that you carry dreams. So these are some of them. A healthy normal, according to Scripture, is I assume courage. 
I assume I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I assume that I'm powerful in Christ. I assume that God is my protector. Let me just take a breath. That's healthy normal. But unhealthy normal is fear. See, the devil has hurt some of you, so your normal is to be fearful. Come on, and it robs you of your destiny. I couldn't do that. That's too scary. No one would believe me. You know, there's no way I can do this. I'm not smart enough to pull this off. No one is for me. I have to protect myself. I'm all alone. Nobody cares for me. Nobody looks after me. Those are lies that stop you from dreaming. Dreaming big and being world changers and history makers. You know, healthy, normal, I'm a child of God. My colleagues value me even when we disagree. Unhealthy normal, I feel, like, I feel like God does not even know that I exist. No one wants to hear my opinion. I'm on the outside. I mentioned this morning, I've been a Christian like 40 years. Until just a few years ago, anytime I'd go to a conference or something, this atmosphere would just be like, I don't belong here, I don't fit in, no one likes me, I'm a loner, I'm a loser. Da, da, da. And it's like, that was about what was in me, not what was about in the environment. See, some of you carry that. I'm never going to fit in. People don't like me. I don't belong here. Health, the devil has put that wound on you somewhere. The devil has got that rope around your leg at some point. He knew he had to get it in you when you were little. Because if you're an adult, you'd understand it wasn't true. You know, healthy, normal is peace. Even in hard times, God is with me. Even as I rest, God is protecting me. An unhealthy, normal, stressed out, I just want it all to end. I cannot handle, what am I doing? This was such a bad idea. Some of us are so stressed all the time. Our hypervigilance is the term. We can't relax. We can't let go because no one is there, and I've got to manage this, and if I don't do it, no one else will look after me, and I'm just uptight and tense the whole time. God wants to set you free from that. Because normal healthy is I'm at peace. Because there's a good God and he's looking after me. And even when I got tough times, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. <clears throat> healthy normal is love. I'm excited to share the love of God with others. I may not like you right now, but I'm going to respect you. We don't always agree, but we treat each other with respect. See, unhealthy normal is if I have an argument or disagreement, it's all over, rejection, rejection, rejection. No, 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 that's a lie. Selfishness, these people are a waste of my time. I'll invest into this relationship, but only if I get something back. See, some of you, your normal is just to be angry as a defense to stop anyone getting close enough to hurt you. The devil hurt you when you were little and you came up with a strategy, I'm just gonna be angry, I'm gonna be an angry young man all the time. Then no one can hurt me. You don't wanna live like that. You want to get set free from that tonight. Because normal healthy is loving relationships, vulnerability with people. <clears throat> you know, this is about sexuality. It's kind of framed in terms of married couples, but normal healthy self-control. I choose to forgive my wife or husband for not meeting all my needs. That looks fun, but it's probably not the best decision. That looks exciting, but that's going to wreck my life if I do that. That meets an immediate need, but the long-term consequences are gonna be disastrous. That's healthy, normal. Yeah, it looks exciting, but that would be dumb to do. 
there's not going to be a good outcome from that. Unhealthy normal is, I'll just take care of these needs myself. I'm so miserable, I'll just do it anyway. I'm so lonely that that's the only way I can find love. I feel so ugly that if someone shows interest in me, I can't miss it, I can't dare drive them away by not agreeing to what they want to do. That's unhealthy normal. Colin, you're born for more than that. Colin, you carry dignity. You're a dream maker. You're a world changer, you're a history maker. You need a new normal. Healthy normal acceptance, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Unhealthy normal is self-hatred, I feel like a mistake. Looks in the mirror and there's just anger, not just outwards, but anger inwards. You're such a loser, you're such a failure. So I don't wanna, f- I don't wanna be offensive, I just had this phrase come to mind that maybe it resonates with someone, so I'm sorry, it's wrong, but like, you're such an asshole. Where did that voice come from? See, the devil hurt you at some point and you picked it up internally. Another one, prosperity, God wants to bless me. God knows what I need. Poverty, I just have to work harder for what I need. I'll never have enough. This is a hard one. You're healthy normal. I grew up in a solo mom, dad in and out of prison, taken off poorest state housing year. I remember with my mum hiding in the house from the debt collectors at the door. You pick up a spirit of fear that there's never gonna be enough. This desperation to hold on to any good thing that comes because don't, you don't know if it's gonna be there tomorrow. Whereas healthy normal is even if something good passes by, there's gonna be something good coming tomorrow. I can afford to let good things flow by because more good is coming. Come on, some of you carry a poverty spirit because the devil hurt you when you were little, that you're alone, that there's not enough, that there's never gonna be enough provision. Healthy, normal is purpose. God has plans for my life. God is going to make sure I get where I'm supposed to be. That's the, the, you know, the opposite is, oh no, I made a mistake and now it's all over. God's written me off. You know, he's, he's, it's my most of the life is like, God is this big happy guy who's big enough to work with your mistakes. Yeah, they were dumb, but he's able to pull them all together and still get you to where he wants to go and redeem that to get you some lessons that will help other people. Come on, God's bigger than that. That's healthy normal. You haven't committed the unforgivable sin. You're not the one person that God can't love. You're not rejected. You're not a failure. You're not a disappointment. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, there's this voice, not for me, not for me. See, that's the lie. Where did that come from? How did you get hurt when you were little that you would think that? Yeah, it's fine for everyone else, but not for me. God wants to set you free from that. Healthy normal is hope. I can succeed at this. God will defend me. Unhealthy normal is hopelessness. What if I fail? Why expect good things? Better to not expect good things and then you won't be hurt, then you won't be disappointed. No, healthy normal, I expect good things. And when there are disappointments, God will bring other good things along. And there's always hope. And I expect good things to come my way. And I'm kind of at peace with life, because God's good. Come on, that's healthy normal.
healthy normals, joy. I can experience laughter throughout the day, even though this is hard. I know God is working his plans through me. Yeah, it's not always happy. It's not always light, but there's a deep joy. We're moving forward. My life is rich. Um, I'm blessed to be here. God is doing good things. God is forming me. I'm a better person than I used to be. And so I have a joy to life, even if it's not all bubbly happy. Whereas unhealthy normal, I'm so lonely and unhappy. Everyone is against me. No, everyone's not against you. I was so awkward socially, like the psychologist, I got advice, like, what do I do when I walk into these groups where I feel just awkward and stuff? He's like, just relax, no one's looking at you. No one's thinking you're the weird guy that's got no friends. Just sit there and be like, look like the cool guy who doesn't need to relate to everybody. (laughs) How many of us walk and feel like, I feel like the odd one that no one's friendly with. Everyone else is in little groups and I'm standing by myself. This looks awkward. Everyone's looking like there's the loner. No, they're not. That's all in here and in here. Now, we, um, <coughs> we did this at college on Thursday. And I, I mentioned this morning when I was just walking up to the lecture theater, I just felt God say, oh, he's going to do some surgery on people. And I, God really did some amazing things. <clears throat> and I just, um, just had on my heart to ask one of the students to come and uh, share something. She, she didn't get much notice, but she's willing to do it. So can I, can I invite you to come up and just talk about this kind of transfer that God did and the kind of things God does? Because these are the kind of things he's going to do in your life soon. How about you give a hand? <laughs> Hello, my name's Rije. I'm in college. <laughs> I did see lab, and I'm on Thursday. Oh, oh. God did some amazing stuff, like with heaps of our class, and just within me as well. And with me, um, my whole life I had been told I was a reject. I was known as Rije the reject. And um, I did like, I knew like, Something inside me knew that it was wrong. Something inside me knew that that wasn't right, like I wasn't actually a reject. But then another part of me accepted that I was a reject. So I'll distance myself from people and I wouldn't let them get close to me because I was afraid that they'll ditch and like I'd be alone again. But um, a verse that just popped up while I was sitting down there was... um. Psalms 139.16, NLT version. Um, (laughs) You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. So even before I even existed, God had accepted me into his family. And on Thursday, I finally accepted it for myself that I was accepted into God's family. I was no longer, I wasn't a reject like everyone was saying I was. I was actually accepted and I was part of God's family. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Take a seat for a minute. Now I want you to hear her dream for her life. What do you want to do? 
because of that feeling, I felt, I feel like I'm preaching, but um, <laughs> because of that feeling, I felt, I don't want other people to feel that way. I don't want other people to feel rejected and like they're not accepted. So I want to go out. <sighs> I want to go out into broken homes and to help families and help youth and help kids and remind them that there is hope, they are accepted, and there's more to life than what they, is in front of them. <laughs> Can I get the keyboardist to come up? How about you stand? You were born to carry dreams. The Holy Spirit came to birth dreams and visions. God wired into your very being incredible gifts that you will find absolute delight in using when you find your sweet spot. And the devil knew that he had to hurt you when you were little. He had to get a rope around your foot when you were little because if he waited until you were big, he couldn't stop you. He knew he had to hurt you when you were little to break your will. He, know he, he knew he had to get this jacket on you that you became familiar with. Otherwise, you would know that it was wrong and weird when you were older. Oh, man, the Holy Spirit's just compassion to see people set free. Come on, you were born to carry dreams. Those two women, eight-year-olds, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to touch cities and nations. Come on, that's, that's the new normal. Dream makers. History makers. World changers. Come on, I don't quite know how to say this, but if you just know, like, come on, it's time. I want to. I wanted some things to come off my life, ropes that have been around me, things that hurt that have held me back, jackets I've been wearing that don't fit you. I want to come and I want to stand in a new normal where God unloads dreams. I want you to get out of your seat and come down the front, and we're going to pray for God to change your life and for you to pick up being a dream maker. Come on, that you carry dreams. Come on, I want you to encourage the